Hello, everyone. This is Eric Pennington, and welcome to the Spirit of EQ podcast. We're glad that you've tuned in. A few things we wanted to tell you at the beginning of the show, and that's this podcast was created to be a tool to help you, primarily to discover and grow your EQ. Science and our own lived experiences confirm that the better we are at managing our emotions, the better we're going to be at making decisions, which leads to a better life. And that's something we all want. We're glad that you've taken out the time today to listen and hope that something that you hear will lead to a breakthrough. Hey, one last thing. We'd really appreciate a review on whichever platform you use to listen. And if you want to, leave some comments about what you heard today, as well as follow and subscribe. That way you won't miss a single episode as we continue this journey. And with that, the show begins. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Spirit of EQ podcast. Life is a journey. Spirit of EQ helps shape and guide the road ahead for individuals, leaders, teams, and organizations striving to realize their full potential through emotional intelligence. Spirit of EQ is a coaching and consulting company that assists individuals and businesses to reach their full potential by developing emotional intelligence. In business, managers and leaders recognize the value of training to develop leadership skills. What they may not realize is that those skills are far more effective when they pay attention to not only performance, but also to people. Emotional intelligence is a crucial skill because people drive performance and emotions drive people. My name is Eric Pennington and joining me today as always is Jeff East with the Spirit of EQ. Hi Jeff, how are you? Hi Eric, I'm doing fine and uh, hello to all our listeners. Today we have a very special episode and some special guests. We're going to be talking about spiritual emotional intelligence. And joining us today is Jim and Lynette Vave of Six Seconds. Hello, Jim and Lynette. Welcome. Hi, Eric. Hi, Jeff. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Eric. <laughs> we are so excited that you both are here today. And some of our listeners, probably you might remember some earlier episodes or an episode we did. It's probably almost two years ago, Jeff. Something like that, yeah. We had Lynette on uh, to talk about spiritual emotional intelligence. Uh, and as many things in life, there's been a lot of progression in that area. That was pre-COVID, so that's going to have some definite flavor to our discussion. Um, but we're so honored to have her back as well as having Jim here for the first time. So I'm excited. I can tell. Jim, it's easy for me to tell that with you. So let's jump right in. Spiritual emotional intelligence. Most of our audience, as well as those outside of our world, would say, oh, I know what emotional intelligence is. You know, I went to the seminar. But to hear spiritual emotional intelligence, can you tell the audience what is spiritual emotional intelligence? I would say that spiritual emotional intelligence is a blending of a couple of different things. And it's been said by many wisdom teachers throughout the ages that um, emotional intelligence without spiritual intelligence is two-dimensional and best. And spiritual intelligence, when added to emotional intelligence, gives our life's color and texture. Because mm. if you have one of those without the other, it's more black and white and two-dimensional. 
So technically, Eric and Jeff, the the definition that we're using is that spiritual emotional intelligence is the capacity to utilize both spiritual and emotional insight to create a full and meaningful life. So, you know, Jim gave you his interpretation of that, and I think that's also important because for each individual, how we blend the spiritual and the emotional together has some unique qualities for each person. I like how you said unique uh, because in our culture, at least I think, um, so much of the idea of spiritual is thinking of a building and everybody marching in lockstep with this is how it is, this is what you must do. And you're not talking about that, right? No, really not. And it doesn't really matter what the religious or the faith structure may be of each person. And we've had an opportunity to talk to folks from all over the world about some of these things, which is really added to our own insight spiritually and emotionally. How we look at things differently based on how we grew up, what values and faith structure we may or may not hold dear. And if we don't have one, why not? And what's led to that at this point? Right, right. So the the thought around, um, you know, Jim, you, you said the two-dimensional that at best, right? So that means that if we don't have the spiritual side of it that we're lacking uh, or that not personally we're lacking, but that we're missing what it could be. I think lacking is, is, and I know that you were looking for the right word, Eric, yeah, um, but lacking may not be the right word. And here's why. Um, people don't necessarily always understand the journey they're on. Right. They come into the journey sometimes through the back door. Mm-hmm. And they may be experiencing a robust understanding of spiritual emotional intelligence. They just haven't learned how to identify it yet. Ah, wow. Well said. So that that is a lot in line with the discussions Eric and I have had for our listeners about emotional intelligence. It's there, but they just haven't recognized it. Right. How often do we say to someone, hi, Jeff, how's your spirit doing today? (laughs) Oh, my gosh, right? Never. (laughs) Then then we would call an exorcist or something. (laughs) Some would. Others (laughs) might have a ready answer. (laughs) But that's a really good place to, to, to go to because... There's so, I mean, we were watching a video, um, Jim and I, uh, with uh, Daniel Goleman and, and Oprah Winfrey. And when I had selected that video, Jim, I didn't know that she was going to go the direction she was. But if you remember, she kept moving it toward spiritual and this self-awareness, who we are at our core type thing. Um, I, I think sometimes the idea of spiritual again gets associated with religion and it's really not so much about that right no it's it's really not about religion and they're they're not necessarily synonymous religion is what we've turned spirituality into and so uh, there's a instrument out there that some people have accept take exception to and other people believe in it's called the herman brain dominance instrument mm-hmm. and they have a supposition and through scientific study and it says that there are the two different hemispheres of the brain. One side is um, mental and physical, mm-hmm. and the other side is spiritual and emotional. Mm. So what do, you th- what do you think that means if those two things are on the same side? And we try to separate it. 
We can't. Those go together like a hand and a glove. Yeah. So why do we, uh, and this is a, a heavy question that we probably won't be able to answer today or maybe ever, but when did that start where we tried to separate them? Is it when we became more religious or is there something else that you would think that might have caused some of that, the separation? I think a lot of it was during what we now know as the Enlightenment, <laughs> when we began to celebrate just the cognitive intelligence by itself ah. and sort of left the emotional and the spiritual stuff lagging behind. And that, that's sort of interesting, Lynette, because when my father died, he wrote me a letter, and he said something very profound, and it sounds so simple now, but it's probably one of the most profound things I ever heard. He said, Jim... Those things that are unknown are unknown for a reason. It's because they're unknown. Sounds real simple, right? Yeah. There's things that we'll never be able to answer. There's things that we're not meant to answer. That's interesting, Jim. Um, as I go into my memory banks, um, I was watching um, Bill Maher. I don't know if you're familiar with the comedian. I guess he'd be a talk show host. Yeah. Uh, he's a very interesting dude, atheist, and I'm watching this program from last week, and he's sitting there talking to this gentleman who wrote this book about um, progress and about how ultimately things are getting better, but you're just not going to hear about it because people want to see it as things are getting worse and blah, blah, blah. But Mar went into this thing where he, he basically said, it, it's the same thing with religion. I have this friend of mine who's all otherwise very intelligent, and that yet he can't seem to um, understand that pretty, and I'm paraphrasing here, that this God thing is not so. Can I, can I wig you out for a second? Please do. Atheists are spiritual. Keep on. They have their own understanding of what spirituality means. Yeah. And that's the interesting dynamic to, to the word spiritual or spirituality. We cannot define it. And Jim, that's what I was going there with the Bill Maher thing. Um, and, and I really like Bill Maher. So um, it, it was the fact that he, it, just the look on his face was like this collision of like, I can't figure this out, so therefore it cannot be. And I'm thinking, Bill, there's so many things that we just don't know. It's the unknown. And as you said, I'm sorry, that was a little tangent. Was that a tangent, Jeff? A couple degrees. Okay, thank you, Jeff. He's being very kind. Eric, if I could chime in. Please. I, I love this fact that, you know, when we're talking about someone that's an atheist, the only language that they want to use is this God thing. Right. When spiritual means so much more. And when we're talking about that word, just that word, we're talking about relating to or affecting the human spirit or soul mm -hmm. as opposed to the material or physical things. So even someone that is very um, vocal about being an atheist usually can admit they have something else besides their emotions and physical body right. and their mental capability. That's what we're talking about when we talk about spiritual. No other connotation of specifically a God thing or not. Yeah. Wow. That's okay. great. Can I, I'd like to ask a question from the other side. 
when, when you have somebody that does have a well-developed uh, traditional spirituality through their, their faith practice, have you ever run into problems where this is getting them outside their comfort zone or it doesn't fit what they've been taught? Usually we try to help them frame it in the way that's helpful for them. There's a lot of room here. And the you know, the universe is vast. <laughs> There's plenty of room for how anyone's background comes into a conversation about their spiritual being. Jim, do you want to add? Well, I was just I was thinking about Richard Rohr when you were talking about that. Richard Rohr wrote a book and I, I guess I'm giving Richard Rohr a plug. But <laughs> Richard Rohr wrote a book called Falling Upward. Mm. And this has to do with what he terms the second half of life. Now, here's what's interesting about that. The second half of life doesn't have to start at 50. The second half of life talks about when you wake up. When you have an understanding that there's something going on that's bigger than you. Because in the first half of life, all of us, without exception, except for those incredibly rare individuals, are spending our time building our container. Whatever that means. Is it our job? Is it our education? Is it our family? Whatever. Just fill in the blank. And we, we get to the point where we realize, as an example, I used to own a company. And I strove to be the biggest and the bestest, yes, I know it's not a word, in the world company. And I climbed up this ladder, and I understood that the ladder was leaning against nothing when I got up to the top. And that started me questioning, what, what's, what's really going on here? Second half of life asks us to start dismantling our container and our suppositions and our assumptions and start looking at it from a different perspective, like looking at it with curiosity, looking at it with awe, looking at it with wonder, stopping and breathing and walking through the field, smiling. If I could tag on to that, Jim. As you're talking about falling upward and building the container, I'm sitting here thinking our job in talking about spiritual-emotional intelligence is to help people build their container if they still need it and then to help them let it go or what lies beyond. Wow. So, Jim, there are more than likely out there, Lynette as well, there, but specifically, Jim, you were saying something about the, the climbing of the proverbial ladder. There, there are probably those who are right in the midst of that, right? Um, then probably are those that maybe have hit that crossroads. Um, I think, Jeff, we've talked about it being, you know, going back to Julius Caesar, right? The Rubicon, you know, where you're, there it is, and it's that moment. So would you say that spiritual emotional intelligence could be a powerful tool to navigate when you're in that sort of at that crosswood? Um, let me take it a step further. All right. Without spiritual emotional intelligence, you can't navigate. Ooh. 
So if we unwrap the can't to, okay, someone who's trying to do it without it, does that mean that there's this, um, I don't want to call it a cataclysmic fail, but certainly there's a lot of mistakes made in that window without it, right? Yeah. So we're, there's a group of us that are studying uh, the Enneagram, and I won't get into the details of the Enneagram because we love to hear. I can't even talk. <laughs> we love to hear the Enneagram. Uh, we at the Spirit of EQ podcast, Jim, really love the Enneagram. Okay, so the Enneagram. I'm an eight on the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's a driver, a challenger, whatever. And when I'm unhealthy. I go to more cognitive. When I'm unhealthy, I go to more cognitive. So it's okay to be cognitive. It's okay to be smart. It's okay to get degrees. It's okay to do all of that. But if we are stuck in just the cognitive, we're going to be unhealthy. If we are stuck in just a spiritual emotional, we're going to be unhealthy. Mm-hmm. We have to learn how to balance. Yeah. Deconstructing the container helps us to learn how to balance. And Eric, I'm a two on the Enneagram. So when I'm unhealthy, I am helping you so much that you're never going to learn to grow or stand on your own feet. And in this spiritual emotional intelligence conversation, if I'm showing that unhealthy side so that you don't get to stretch and grow, you may always need the container that supports you. Wow, that's great. Got a kind of a general question for both of you. Jim, you mentioned uh, in the book Falling Upward, which I also love that book too, um, where you really can't make that upward, falling upward journey uh, without spiritual emotional intelligence. So what you're saying is people can come to it without realizing it or without using a tool. But the reason you've developed the SEQ, this assessment, is to make it so it's easier for people. The SEQ is is an opinion of, of people and wisdom literature and all kinds of other things that put together an instrument to help answer some questions for people that they might not be able to have answers for. And when people get their questions answered because they're ready to hear it, whatever those questions are that they're asking, they end up starting to tack on more stuff and look for other things. They start to walk through that field noticing things that they didn't notice before. And when you start noticing things on the spiritual journey, you start escalating very quickly your knowledge of what it means to be spiritual. It's essentially taking what may feel like a very esoteric concept and attaching a model, very possibly flawed but helpful nonetheless, and bringing the invisible into our visible sight or consideration. We're now well into what is being referred to as the COVID era. And I certainly wouldn't have, and probably none of you uh, would have predicted that we see what we've seen over the last, now we're getting close to two years. 
What part do you feel like the spiritual emotional intelligence, um, that idea, the idea and the practice plays for those who are in the midst of it? And I know that people in varying <coughs> levels of health, um, but if somebody says, and Jim, I liked what you said, when they've come to the decision, when they've mm -hmm. said, okay, I now I, I'm ready for some questions, where does it play, do you think, in our current era? And feel free if you want to talk about some of the things that have happened in our COVID era that they have either helped or hurt. I actually have an interesting direction to take this. I'm ready. You ready, Jeff? Yes, I St. John of the Cross, who was a contemporary of St. Teresa of Vila, mm -hmm. okay, uh, wrote a book called The Dark Night of the Soul. Yeah. The Dark Night of the Soul is something that our whole society is going through right now. We're bereft of any hope. Now, I'm being a generalist right here. Obviously, some yeah. people have hope. Sure. But our society as a whole is bereft of any hope. And right now, we're not operating at a high emotional, spiritual intelligence level. But here's the cool thing. The spiritual, emotional intelligence that all of us have is waiting for us. And it's really about recognizing where we are and what are what even is one step we could each do for ourselves to help bring that into alignment. Um, Jim and I, for example, have a spiritual coach that we go to regularly. And like all coaches, just hearing as we voice what's happening and the reflection or observation as the coach shares with us can be a huge aha as we really take another look at what's happening. Yes, I'm complaining about X, Y, Z. What can I do about X, Y, Z? Ah, in my case, I needed to revisit my Enneagram type and see, oh, how is that shadow side showing up? You've been here before. It's creeped back in. What would you like to do about that? The idea of that you guys have illustrated so well is this idea of um, of choices and options, right? Yeah. Um, and I know way back in time for me, the idea of having multiple choices seemed to be such a foreign matter. It was either black or white. You either stay or you go. And... You just didn't you didn't see that there could be. And Jim, you, you alluded to something about the field and about noticing things that you didn't notice before and taking time. And, and I heard this I'm gonna pour I'm gonna butcher the quote, but it's some it goes something to the effect of um, the best way to find God is in the ordinary and not the extraordinary. And I remember thinking to myself. In all of my pursuits and all of my striving, I always was looking for the big thing, the extraordinary, the, the, oh my gosh, there it is. There they are. That's what they said. He did it. She did it. What have you. And I spent so little time looking at the ordinary. Now I flipped that and Jim, you're, you are correct. It is, it's the difference. It's night and day. It was almost like a case of, um, where I'm going to take a guess, Jeff, you may agree or disagree, but I'm sure there are a number in our audience that they aspire to a place of where it's all kind of making sense, but so, maybe don't know how, Jim. So you're talking about duality versus non-duality. 
So duality basically says that there's right and wrong, up and down, in and out, you know, skinny and fat, what you know, black and white, whatever. Non-duality suggests that we can have more than one truth existing in the same space at the same time. And with your permission, Eric and Jeff, I'd like to read a quote from Rumi, who is one of my favorite authors and poets. And he says, out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in the grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase, each other, doesn't make any sense anymore. In the spirit of, uh, no pun intended... (laughs) The practical side of those out there in the audience who might be going, oh, this sounds so wonderful. You guys there in your studio talking about wonderful, flowery, optimistic, and all the rest. I was a hippie. <laughs> well, um, so what do you guys say? And I know directly because I've, I've known you guys for a bit of time. You encounter people who are, I want to say they're skeptics. I, they're kind of like, Okay, so I, I don't get this. I don't. What, what do I? I mean, I I run this. I'm in charge of that. What do you say to those folks? I'm thinking of Doctor Phil. How's that working for you? Because <laughs> <laughs> often, while the facade looks great, what's underneath is not going to keep supporting the human spirit of that individual. And back to even your comment just a moment ago, something as simple as the ordinary. We've had the pleasure of watching a morning glory begin to bloom. One, and then it went away, and then another, and then it went away. No blooms yesterday. Today there were two. I can't even describe the uplift to my spirit as I watched that and watched the bumblebees on the butterfly bush go through their intricate dance and just connecting with those very simple, ordinary things, even in the midst of all this post-COVID stuff that's mm. going on right now. And, and, and to add to that from a different perspective, um, the human being is made up of habits. Most of our life we do out of habit. And we do that because... Uh, Our brain is not wired to be able to think about each individual thing that we have to do every single day that's repetitive. We can't do it. So our brain creates these uh, rhythms, these habits that we do every day. And people that are waking up start to realize those things that are serving them and not serving them in their habits, such as Lynette not walking by the morning glories and stopping to look at it rather than just putting her head down and going to the car so we could come here this morning. And our spiritual director likes to look at us and say, far be it from me to try to control them. Which is a great statement. It's a great statement. And the reality, I think you guys would agree, is not that you're saying to people, well, if you are a high-flying CEO, you need to quit and not do that. You can be... I mean, as you mentioned earlier, about two things can be true at the same time, at the same in the same frame, right? Absolutely, for two unicorns. We've been told that recently. But I think there are other unicorns in the world, too. 
Well, and if and I'm going to do business for a second if I can. Yeah. So um, Jim Collins many years ago wrote a book called Good to Great. Yep. I'm really and um, level four leaders on a scale from one to five can and, – and a lot of our CEOs out there nowadays are level four leaders, sometimes because of the pandemic, sometimes because that's all they know how to do. Mm-hmm. They can physically drag the company along behind them by sure force of will. They're that strong and powerful. Yeah. Level five leaders do that, but add something else into the mix, and that is the ability to love. And love in a way that's not inappropriate. Love in a way that that helps build up other people. And those leaders walk into the room behind the other people. They don't walk in at the front. Do you think that uh, there would be, and I don't think Jim Collins went there, but it'd be interesting to see those level five leaders and their spiritual, how, how that plays a part. Wouldn't you agree? Um, they all claimed to have some type of spiritual understanding mm. in the research that he did. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So Jim and Lynette, there are all kinds of assessments out there right now, and there's coaches, there's mentoring programs, seminars online, virtual, and all that other good stuff. And it's certainly because people are looking for answers, looking for help. Talk a little bit about what the SEQ, as I believe that it's been named, what role is that playing in that arena? I think the main value of assessments when we're talking about something esoteric and also talking about the development of a human being, whether it's emotional or spiritual or the combination, is to see something that brings to awareness something that we might know about, but we may not understand what's sort of fulminating under the surface. Mm -hmm. And an assessment can bring that into the open much more readily than conversation usually can. Just because we see data that supports this conclusion. And of course, it's always up to the individual to say, no, I disagree with that. Right. Because what's much more important is the conversation and the thought and reflection that goes into, I agree, I disagree, this is what it means in my life. But not only that, we've got an awareness, but we also have actionable data. What are we going to do with this? And I think that's the main value of using an assessment in any type of coaching or work with someone that's trying to do some development of their person, whatever part of their person that happens to be. Right. So the SEQ profile, which I think is the one that's, um, quote, on the market now, one pager uh, gives some high-level information along the lines that you were talking about. Is there anything else about that profile that you know you guys would want to point to? Well, let me just give you an overview, Eric, and then we'll go to Jim and have him add to that. We've got a profile that it really takes the emotional intelligence information. It's based on six seconds emotional intelligence assessment. And then there were some additional questions that were added that help really explore this, the role of spiritual insight and how all of that plays. So in the profile version of the SEQ, 
we're helping people understand how are they currently at this point in time connected to themselves, connected to the people that they know well, their community, their family, and also connected to the world. And that could be people they don't know or if their faith structure or belief structure includes some type of higher power, God, or whatever they may choose to call it, that's where that can show up. So as we look about our alignment across those three major areas and what drives that alignment, the profile goes on to just give what we call the three top SEQ tiles, which are sort of the ways that this is showing up in their lives. Mm. And when it's debriefed by someone that's been through a little more of this training, they can help ask those deeper foundational coaching questions that help the individual apply this data to how it's showing up in their lives and what they might like to change to grow in the area that's most pressing for them at the time. Gotcha. I want to come at this from a different perspective. The the assessments, all of them, are there to help us with our cognitive understanding of our journey. They're a tool. Mm-hmm. And the people that are giving assessments, and I say this, you know the old saying, you're not supposed to shit on yourself. <laughs> But the people that are being trained in the assessments should know how to debrief them and talk to people. I want to read another poem. Please. To, to, to explain this a little bit differently. This is what I think people are trying to understand from taking these assessments. Okay? Mm-hmm. And it's from Mary Oliver. It's called Wild Geese. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert, repenting. You only have to let the soft, soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes. Over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese, high in the clean blue air, are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over, announcing your place in the family of things. Great perspective. Great poem. Mm-hmm. So when, when you, you take the assessment or the profile that you have now, that is a snapshot, correct? Make sure I'm understanding it right. It's, it's what you said about yourself in that moment. That's right, Jeff. And no matter what level of report we're going to pull from the assessment, it's really a snapshot in time. So what's happening with the individual as they're answering the questions, sometimes even the physical location mm-hmm. can show up in these okay. things. So we understand that you know, if, if somebody does it and they start doing coaching or, or working on, on themselves, you could expect to see some changes if they take it again. What are some of the outside influences that could affect uh, that snapshot for the day? 
anything that they are working on personally in terms of growth. So they could be doing EQ training. They could be doing uh, a spiritual study. They could be coaching with someone. Any of those things that are bringing their attention more, more completely, more often to the things that we're looking at, that spiritual insight, that connection, the self-awareness of what's happening to themselves. And then something like COVID. It's really interesting because this doesn't always just go, I'm going to get stronger here. Sometimes we slide backwards a little bit because that's where we are in that moment. Our spirits may not be doing super well right now. Or if we took the same assessment two years ago, it might have even shown a little stronger. What have we been doing in the meantime to nurture our spirits to maintain or even grow? And is it still enough to offset some of the other experiences that we've had? Have we been able to connect with people? Was virtual connection enough to keep that fire alive for us? A lot of that depends on who we are. You know, an extrovert is going to need a lot more real-time connection with people than someone that's more highly introverted. What does each individual need? But all of those things can be a factor. And I think when, when Eric and I are, are using these assessments with, with the people we do this with, a lot of it depends on how honest the person is when they're, they're answering the questions. Yes, and the assessment's um, pretty well validated so people can't game the system easily. It's got some checks and balances in the six-second assessment that underlies this. Okay. So I think this is the last question along these lines. I take the assessment today, and then I take it a month from now, and the results aren't what I want. Is curiosity the best way to look at that? It can be, but when I think of curiosity, Jeff, I think of the well-timed question with a coach can be much more powerful than self-reflection alone, Okay, which is true about any coaching. Okay. You have someone that can ask that question that invites you to go below that surface of the iceberg, maybe even go back a few years to where some of these what we may consider limiting beliefs, reside where they originated and take a look again. Is that appropriate for me now? That belief, that value, is it still where I've always assumed it to be because that's what I learned a long time ago? Or is this perhaps something I want to look at from a different perspective now because there have been so many other things in my life that maybe didn't follow the pattern I expected them to. So what's the next step for the SEQ? Where, where are you going with it now? Jim, do you want to take that or do you want me to keep going? So the, the SEQ, the way we have it now, is a one-sheet overview of where you may be with your journey. And it's, it's pretty, pretty comprehensive, but it's not as in-depth as we would have liked it to be. So in the world of assessments, and I'll use this language, it could be other language that other people would use, but our assessment that we have now is a level A tool, which you can hand out and people can read it and they can look at it. 
the assessment, the way we're trying to take it, and we are going to get it there, is going to be a level B tool. And the reason that it's a level A or a level B is because the assessment is going to be more profound. And frankly, if it's not debriefed correctly, it could do some harm to people. And the harm that it would do is maybe give people the wrong impression of where they are going in their journey. And that's not what the intent of the assessment is. So to add to that, there's more information in the report itself. It's far more than a one-pager. And it builds on the concepts. And as Jim said, it's designed to help someone go deeper. Deeper still than just, here's an introduction to SEQ and how is your life balanced right now across these main areas? And now let's give you a little more information about all of this stuff that we can measure and perhaps some guidance about where to start making changes if you'd like to. Eric, I've got one more question. Well, I've consulted the uh, question Home Office police. and... Omaha, Nebraska, and they have told me that it is okay for you to ask one more question. All right. Yeah, both of you have mentioned debrief a few times, and a lot of people might think that, okay, we're talking spiritual, so it's debrief, so it's going to be like a seance or a, a prayer circle or, or something like that. What would a debrief look like? Well, we have to light some candles and some incense. <laughs> Stop it, Jim. <laughs> I think there are, there are two major ways. So if someone that is not a coach or that coaches with some training they've had, perhaps not as rigorous as other coaching bodies that certify, they may go through the report and ask questions, helping people understand how to interpret their results. So accurately. this is one-on-one? That's one-on-one. Okay. The other way is to use the assessment to support the coaching conversation about the individual's spiritual emotional intelligence. Journey. Typically, it's a less linear conversation than a straight debrief will be. They may not hit every page in the report. It may be used over multiple coaching sessions, and it's usually a deeper dive. Thank you. So Jim and Lynette, what are you excited about as it relates to spiritual emotional intelligence now and maybe even when you look out onto the horizon? What's exciting you? Oh, oh, oh. Jim. Is that a gong? (laughs) For you. Um, (laughs) I think we are in an amazing place right now. Nobody can really, or very few people can see that, but... The amazing places that our world is in transition with regards to the spiritual. We're moving to another level of understanding as in consciousness and with people. Now, Jim doesn't know what that's going to look like when it's done. And I don't think anybody else does either. But people are paying attention. There's something in the air. Something's changing. And we have so much promise and opportunity in front of us. So to add to that, I'm most excited that we've made this much progress on the SEQ development report. Us, my logical wife. (laughs) (laughs) But in addition to what Jim said, you know, there is no same old anymore. So as we look at what's coming up, some of it's brand new. 
Some of us are trying to cre- recreate the same old in an environment that's changed so much that that really doesn't exist anymore. So how do we enter this new phase of life and of society and of our world with more connection to all of the parts of who we are and intentionally move forward in the way that's most congruent with ourselves, with our familiar people, and with the world. So well said. With that, everyone, we're coming to the conclusion of this episode. We really appreciate you, Lynette and Jim, joining us. Yes, we do. uh, As uh, we've said to many of our guests, we'll invite you back if you'd like to come and uh, join our merry, extravagant time together. You might be able to twist our arms. Thank Maybe. you, Jeff. Oh, Thank you, great. Eric. That's great. That's I think great. I'd like to say something in closing to the listeners. And yeah, go ahead. I think this is very important. We human beings tend to live by expectation. Expectation of people around us that they have on us. Expectations that we manufacture in our own heads about what we should be doing or not doing. We're at a place that the unknown is prevalent. We are not going to know what's next. I think it's time for all of us to offer ourselves grace. Mm. To just look at the life with curiosity. It's all going to work out really well, but we're not going to be able to force it. And so be graceful with yourself. Be quiet. Be relaxed. Stop reacting to everything that's going on around you. And find a way to connect with other people. And find joy in the ordinary. Hmm. I like that. I like that. Wonderful. Well, thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. And we look forward to the next time we're with you. Take care. Hi, everyone. This is Eric Pennington with The Spirit of EQ. I'm not introducing a new episode today. I'm here to tell you some things that might help you. Jeff, you're with me as always. So how do people get in touch with us? Well, the best way is just send us an email at info at spiritofeq.com. That's awesome. Jeff, I was also thinking about reviews, and I'm notoriously bad at asking for them, so... Reviews on all of the platforms, wherever you get your podcasts. Do you think that'd be good? I think that would be great because, one, that will help us learn how to make better ones. And it's always good for us. So we're we're not the perfect podcast host? We're close. Okay. All right. But but still, we want your feedback. We want your feedback. But it also might uh, let us know a new subject. Hey, we need to dig deeper into that. So let us know what you think. Cool. We really appreciate that. As always, too, there is social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, and we also have a YouTube channel. Those also have mechanisms or or options for you to be able to leave a comment, a like, or those kind of things. Just want to make sure that you know how to get in touch with us. Right, Jeff? Right. We appreciate you all. Thank you. Hi, everyone. This is Eric Pennington with The Spirit of EQ. 
I'm not introducing a new episode today. I'm here to tell you some things that might help you. Jeff, you're with me as always. So how do people get in touch with us? Well, the best way is just send us an email at info at spiritofeq.com. That's awesome. Jeff, I was also thinking about reviews, and I'm notoriously bad at asking for them. So reviews on all of the platforms, wherever you get your podcasts, you think that'd be good? I think that would be great because, one, that will help us learn how to make better ones. And it's always good for us. So we're, we're not the perfect podcast host. We're close. Okay, but, all right, but, but not, still, not totally. We want perfect. your feedback. We want your feedback. But it it also might uh, let us know a new subject. Hey, we need to dig deeper into that. Yeah. So let us know what you think. Cool. We really appreciate that. As always, too, there is social media: LinkedIn, Facebook, and we also have a YouTube channel. Those also have mechanisms or or options for you to be able to leave a comment, a like, or those kind of things. Just want to make sure that you know how to get in touch with us. Right, Jeff? Right. We appreciate you all. Thank you. Once again, we really appreciate you tuning in today. One of the things that Jeff and I want to bring to your attention as well is that when we created this podcast, it was not intended to take the place of a clinician. In other words, if you find yourself in a place where there's something deeper going on or something that you cannot solve on your own, we do recommend that you reach out to a clinician of some sort. This podcast is purely opinion-based, and it is rooted in the desire to help you along your path in whatever way we can. However, it is never going to replace, nor should it ever be looked at as a replacement for clinical help in any way. Thanks again for tuning in.